Hello everyone, welcome to Ubi Est Mia. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with former Chicagoan, current Los Angeles resident, Emerson Dameron. Emerson is an excellent writer and storyteller, and we've known each other since the year 2001. I apologize for pausing on that. I had to think about it. It's currently the last week of 2017, so I've known this man for 16 years. The reason I wanted to speak with Emerson this week is because he wrote a piece called I Don't Want Kids in October of 2017. Since it is the week between Christmas and New Year's Eve, and there's a lot of discussion about potentially having kids and small children, I thought this was the perfect time to revisit this very personal piece that covers a lot of heavy subjects. This is not like a warning that this is a sad episode in any way. I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, we talk about stuff like kids and depression and alcoholism and all that fun stuff. Without further ado, here's my chat with Emerson Dameron. All right, let's go straight to the really heavy stuff first. Um, one of the things I like sure. I don't want kids is uh, you're very, very upfront and open about depression. That's true. Do you feel like moving from Chicago to Los Angeles helped with the depression? Yes. I would say uh, the physical environment is really underappreciated in terms of how it affects your mood. Uh, I grew up in a climate that was a lot more like this one, and I grew up around a lot more nature than there is easily at hand in Chicago. So I, um, I, yeah, I just, this environment works a lot better for me in conjunction with my weird brain chemistry. When did you realize you had weird brain chemistry? I think I was um, eight or nine years old the first time that I was uh, I was kind of shepherded into counseling because a lot of the adults around me could tell that something was off. I really started to kick in, I think, when I was 13 or 14. I just um, had this really dark uh, kind of anger turned against myself that I couldn't shake. Do you feel like you romanticized that anger and depression into fueling writings and maybe thinking that that's what made you a good writer? Yeah, perhaps. Um, I think... I wanted to communicate that. Uh, it was cathartic for me to get it out and make some three-dimensional work out of it. Um, I probably started identifying with it more than I absolutely could have as a result of doing that. Just because I got really comfortable with the language of those expressing those feelings. So... Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, they probably fed into each other a bit. Did you see a therapist when you were in Chicago? Oh, yeah. Uh, I've seen probably a dozen therapists over the course of my life. How quickly do you know that this person is not a good person for me to be talking to? <laughs> I mean, it's it really comes down to... I mean, it's like a date. Uh, you... You have to be skeptical just because it is expensive and you can waste a lot of time if it's not a good relationship. Um, for me, there are just certain modes that, that work a little better. Like, I've done tons of cognitive behavioral therapy. I think I may have just hit the limit of what I can do with that in a therapeutic session. Um, 
stuff with more of a physical component. I think if the basically for me, if I ask, if I, if I'm talking to a therapist and the first question out of their mouth is not, uh, what's your physical activity? Like, do you exercise? I know it's probably not going to work. Why is that? Because for me, getting out in the sun and moving around physically and eating right and uh, taking care of my health has been absolutely crucial to dealing with depression. Are you comfortable talking to me about this, considering that I've known you for a very, very long time, and when we met, you were probably not taking the best care of yourself, and you're probably not in the best headspace? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know that part of my life about as well as anyone does. But that doesn't necessarily mean you want to talk about the current part of your life, because in a way, I'm a figure from your past. Well, it's first of all, I mean, we're we're both fluid entities, so yeah, I don't I don't mind talking to you now with a slightly different perspective, just because. Uh, I, I think you're a very upfront, kind of no-bullshit, transparent person. So you in particular, I don't feel my usual compunctions and defensiveness in these areas. But um, it is the Halloween I can season. also say... I, I, I oh, go ahead. break in here because the reason why I ask that is because the only a lot of people that knew you longer as your family it's the holiday season it's like the best time to spiral out into horrible behavior <laughs> so that's yeah i think isn't uh, the worst day for duis is that day before thanksgiving sure sure uh, when every bar is doing very good business so what is because every everyone's come back to their hometown and uh yeah, they're getting ready to spend the weekend with their family. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a time when residual stuff from your youth is going to manifest itself. So where are you with your family and all this stuff? Do they read pieces like, I don't want kids? Or do they know about... <laughs> I'm, seri- I'm completely serious about it. Did you go home for Christmas? I, my mom came here for Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, she stayed in a hotel downtown... Uh, I don't know if she reads that stuff or not. I would assume that she does. And I would assume that she's as okay with it as she's going to be. I mean, she's, she knows all of those things about me. We don't really talk about it, I think, because it's not comfortable for her to really go into the details of that. You know, there's a weirdness in the fact that I'm more comfortable writing about those things for strangers than I am talking about them with my family. I think she knows about it. We don't go into it very much one-on-one, but I think she's accepted it. In the piece, you mentioned that you have a wife. I know your wife. Uh, in That's the correct. piece, it seems like the conversation you had about whether or not to have children was incredibly quick. Uh, it's kind of... <laughs> It's kind of portrayed as a joke, and the, what I want to know is, was it actually that simple of a conversation? No. Uh, I, at, when I, at the time when I wrote that, I had not made Stephanie a character in any of those pieces or anything that I'd written, and I had some trepidations about doing it just because I always do if it's someone where I'm not sure how they're going to feel about uh, their privacy being compromised. Uh, 
we've talked about that in depth for years. And I think we've always agreed that the the pros of not having kids outweighed the, the cons of not having kids. But, you know, we've considered it as a possibility and rejected it uh, having gone through the details of that. But she also loves Korean barbecue. <laughs> uh, is Korean barbecue... That much, of- that much is true to, to life. Is the Korean barbecue in Los Angeles remarkably better than the Korean barbecue in Chicago? It's fantastic. Yeah, we have a huge Korean population that lives... Uh, it's concentrated right near uh, our neighborhood, so we do KBBQ there all the time. Do you think that if you didn't leave Los Angeles and if you weren't married, you would still be alive? Uh, probably not. How bad the things get in Chicago? I was definitely getting blackout drunk every single day. And I think I didn't realize how badly it was affecting my health until I ended up in the hospital over it. I think I had a really close call in 2014 when I had the pancreatitis and the tear in my GI tract and the rest of that. I think uh, the fact that I was around my mom and the fact that Stephanie was part of my life was definitely why I made it. You still perform. I've started performing again recently. Yeah. I've done some storytelling shows here and I, uh, I'm really happy to be doing that again. I miss that a lot more than I realized. Do you still get paid in drink tickets? (laughs) No. Okay. Uh, If I did, I would give them to someone else. Is it difficult to go on stage sober when you used to go up stage and up on stage not sober? I just quit doing it for a couple of years. I mean, it was just incredibly nerve-wracking. That, flying, uh, hanging out with strangers, a lot of those things, I basically had to learn how to do it all over again. When was the last time you were home? I home at uh, where my mom was in St. Charles, or home in North Carolina. North Carolina. Uh, when uh, that would be 2013, I went down to see my dad. Do you ever? Want I was to go still back? a full fledged uh, practicing alcoholic at that point. Exactly. There are a lot of other places I'd rather go first. Okay. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, what does your wife think of the difference between current you and the you that she met? I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I think that she is a lot happier now with uh, with my long-term prospects as a person. Okay. I think we've kind of grown and changed and evolved together. And the person that she is now is a lot closer to the person that I am now than either of the people that we were uh, when we first started dating. I'm assuming that you're physically sleeping better. You could probably actually like dream now and not wake up not knowing where you are and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I have dreams. I feel good in the morning. Like I wake up. I actually have this old man circadian rhythm now that's kind of a pain in the ass because when I have uh, days off, I wake up at 
six in the morning and I'm up. Like, I can't go back to sleep. I want to get up and do shit. What time do you go to bed these days? Usually around 10. You've become the old man everyone always said you were. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Billy Robert said something about how, like, everyone has some ideal uh, part of their life that's, like, that's the essence of who they are. You know, there's some people that are fake kids their whole lives and there are some people that are so good at being old curmudgeons that uh that you can't imagine that they were ever kids i think probably middle-aged man is probably right right in my sweet spot you have a full head of hair still that's that's right for now could do you want to reveal your age or is that inappropriate I'm about. I'm almost forty. Okay. Uh, my birthday is in June, so I'm thirty nine and a half, and that's fine. I make jokes about it. Do you think it's inappropriate for someone that's tall and has their full head of hair not to have children? Oh, by the way, you're white <laughs> in America. Do you feel like you're doing disservice? My wife is probably whiter than I am. That's true. She's Jewish, though, so I don't know about that. Things are getting kind of weird in that area. Well, in your area, it's it's a pretty good time to be you in America. Do you ever feel like, hey, maybe if I, maybe I should just try, just see if I come on, why not? I thought about like squirreling a couple of them away somewhere, just in case you know somebody wants uh, tall white man jeans. Uh, you know, I, I can just have them on ice somewhere, just in case. Uh, it has crossed my mind. Fantastic. Are you insured right now? Yeah, I have uh, full health coverage through Kaiser Permanente. Are you ever worried when you get a new job or something like that, and then they see your medical records? And I know that that's not supposed to come up, but occasionally that stuff that's... Oh, yeah, it does. It exactly. does anyway. And due to what happened in 2014, are you ever worried that that's going to prevent you from getting a future position? Yeah, uh, I'm always a little bit concerned. Like when I'm going through uh, processes of interviews, um, I wonder if it's going to come up. But I think most people don't really care or they don't really pay enough attention to uh, to catch stuff like that. Or if they do, I mean, somebody can Google me and find out like, more than they could possibly want to know. So um, I think it's the coast is probably clear enough. I mean, if somebody is going to freak out over something like that, I probably don't want to work there. When you were in Chicago, uh, Malort was becoming what it's become now. Um, we both, I left a little bit before you. I left in 2010. You left, you left uh, more recently than that. Did we were like ships a, in the night. You were moving to D.C. right when I moved back to Chicago. That's correct. Um, what I wanted to know, when did Malort start? Okay, so I was in a liquor store in Logan Square last week, 
and uh, the guy in front of me was buying a bottle of Malort, and he he was he wasn't mean necessarily, but he definitely wasn't nice to the people working at the store. And he's like, "Could I get a brown bag for the Malort?" And they're like, "Yeah, fine, whatever." So they gave him a brown bag. He's like, "No, no I want a bigger one because I'm going to give it to somebody for his birthday." And they're like, "Yeah, okay, fine." He's like, "Could I use your pen?" He's like, "All right, why?" And so they gave him the pen, and it's uh, to, it's like to Joe, uh, happy birthday, old man. And it was a bottle of Malort. And all I could think about was like, "This guy's not from Chicago. Fuck this guy." Uh, all the while, <laughs> I haven't lived there in seven years. <laughs> well, you, you're a native, though, so you can say stuff like that. But, like, why am I upset? This is a man who probably owns property in the neighborhood which I am in, and he's buying a gift for his friend, <laughs> contributing to the local economy, and I'm like, this guy's a poser. Yeah, that might say more about you than it does about him. Yeah. Um, have you lost any friendships due to the not drinking? There have been friendships that I haven't maintained. Um, I probably lost friends due to um, needing to distance myself from the world a little bit, uh, you know, in order to deal with my uh, with my own issues. But it's definitely harder for me to be social without the booze. Uh, it's gotten a little bit as I've gotten used to being. Uh, somewhat different person it's gotten a little easier and i've started reaching out a little bit more but there are definitely people from uh earlier phases of my life that have have totally moved on like i we have we've lost touch and i'm not sure you know at this point we kind of have to completely reset because of everything that's happened since so yeah i wouldn't say i've I, I definitely lost more friends from alienating people when I was drinking than I did from getting sober. Ooh, any fun stories? <laughs> it was all pretty depressing by the end of it. I mean, there it's the the problem is like it, you don't really notice that the fun is over until it's been over for a while. Most um, of the fun stories were like from. When I first moved to Chicago, uh, the Northwest Indiana Bottle Rocket Wars were fun. I went to a lot of great parties. I met a lot of people that I wouldn't have met if I hadn't been drinking. Uh, you know, it's it's been a social lubricant for thousands of years for a reason. And it was a big part of my social life for a long time. But I think it was... Uh, I'm better off without it at this point in my life. I know this sounds like it's a sad episode, but I actually think it's like a really positive one because at the end of the day, you're alive and you're with your wife and you're happy and you have a like a normal sleep pattern and you're still writing, you're still creating, and you're still trying. And I think that's that's the crux of this entire thing. And that's why I wanted to talk to you during the week between Christmas and New Year's Eve because I know that this is not the most fun week for people. And this is a week that involves a lot of alcoholism and discussions about children. Yeah, I think the weird thing is if you have young children, that's probably the only way that you can really enjoy this time of year. <laughs> or if you're like one of those weird people that has a great relationship with their parents. Outside of those people, I think everyone struggles this time of year. And... Um, yeah, I feel I 
feel like I handle situation knock on wood, but I feel like I handle adult situations a lot better now than I used to. If you would like more information on Emerson, follow him on Twitter. It's at sign Emerson Dameron, E-M-E-R-S-O-N-D-A-M-E-R-O-N. I've known Emerson for 16 years, and I don't think I've ever gotten the correct pronunciation of his name, nor will I ever ask. You'll know it's him if you find him on Twitter because he's got the animated version of himself, so it's an incredibly fun thing to follow and look at. If you would like more information on this show, follow me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any type of social media where people can sell you ads. I'm at at sign Y-M-T-E on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. Just go to You, Me, Them, Everybody. That is because I do another show called You, Me, Them, Everybody, and you can find that at you, me, them, everybody.com. Our theme music is by Daniel Knox, and our art is by Dmitry Samaroff. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful night.